0: Hey there, everybody, and welcome to the Football Outsiders Shots and Tanier live stream and podcast. It is Thursday, September twenty second, two 2022, and we are here to talk about week three in the NFL. I am Aaron Shots, editor-in-chief of footballoutsiders.com, joined, as always, by Mike Tanier, our regular Thursday partner, and today we have a special guest we'll get to in a second, Mike Payton of Pride of Detroit, the first game we are going to cover today is going to be the big NFC North battle with everyone's favorite young offensive juggernaut, the uh, Detroit Lions, who lead the NFL in points scored by offense. But before we get to the Lions and the Vikings, let me tell you about our sponsor, Underdog Fantasy. Come and play with us and double your first deposit up to $100 with promo code OUTSIDERS. Now I know NFL best ball season is over but Underdog has other user-friendly game formats to spice up your Sundays. Try Battle Royale, a six-round best ball-style draft with simpler chances to win than traditional daily fantasy sports. Or you could try their Pick'em Games, wagering on players' chances to go higher or lower than projected stat lines, even in states where traditional prop betting is not currently available. Underdog is the fastest-growing fantasy site around, and you can join the fun by going to underdogfantasy.com or download Underdog at your favorite app store. And don't forget to use the promo code OUTSIDERS to double your first deposit up to $100. And, of course, they also have NBA best ball. If you still want to play best ball and you like basketball, you can do NBA best ball. I mentioned that because Mike said before we came on the air he hosts a regular pistons podcast as well as covering the lions for pride of detroit so let's talk about detroit at minnesota but like let's mostly talk about detroit which is i don't think anybody expected this the offensive uh you know explosion and i know there's lots of questions about the washington defense but we at least had the philadelphia defense projected pretty good with all the additions they made and they kept minnesota down last week and the week before detroit scored a ton of points on them so what's up with the lions
1: well it's it's really a mixture of a few different things and i hate to really put everything on anthony lynn but he was kind of the big issue for the lions last year he he really kind of he couldn't get this offense going. Not to mention, the best receiver on the team last year was Khalif Raymond, which notice dis- disrespect to Khalif Raymond, but he's not exactly a number one receiver type of player.
0: Local boy, Holy Cross here in Worcester, Mass.
1: Absolutely. Red back would have loved him. If we're, sorry to get back into basketball. I know he loved all those local <laughs> guys. So, uh, <laughs> But, uh, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown did have a really great rookie year, but that didn't really start until halfway through the season or near the end. Um, So so everything started to come together once Dan Campbell started to call the plays. And uh, Ben Johnson, who was the team's tight end coach last year, was, uh, was contributing as well. He becomes the new OC. He's making a huge difference. They go out and they get DJ Chark. They get Amon Ross St. Brown, who you know they already had, but uh, TJ Hawkinson sure. comes back. Uh, the offensive line actually gets healthy. DeAndre Swift gets healthy, and all these things are converging at once. And it, this is, I thought they would have a much better offense. 35 points a game is not at all where I thought they would be at this point. But the
2: offensive line didn't get healthy. The the team we saw last week had three players out, and of course you have true. School, You've got your tackles, but everything in between was youngsters, and they still played really well.
1: Yeah, I, you know it. You got it. You got to give Hank Fraley, the the Lions' offensive line coach, like a ton of credit uh, because getting a guy like Dan Skipper out there who had never started a game before, especially at guard. Uh, to to play as well as he did it's 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 a big deal Um, when I when I say healthy I I mean and when they started the season last year they didn't have Taylor Decker and they had to move Panay Sewell over to the left and um, but now he's back on the right Taylor Decker's healthy Frank Ragnow should hopefully be back soon Uh, Jonah Jackson should hopefully be back soon but the line is is much is a much better place than it was at the beginning of the season last year for sure
0: yeah, and even with backups, I mean, they were pushing around that Washington front that's all the first-round picks.
1: Yeah, that's, you know, we, we expected that to be, uh, you know, the the Lions' downfall for this game. It, you know, Washington was kind of like a sneaky, you know, they had beaten Jacksonville in week one, which I guess doesn't look like that big of a, a thing now, or I don't know. Unless you're a Colts fan, you probably think that looks like a really big thing. But uh, we, we expected that, that defensive front, to even if jace young wasn't going to be there to to eat uh Jared Goff all day but it, that just did not happen and it's it's a shocker um you know we'll, we'll see where it goes from here if Dan skipper can replicate what he did last week and I know Logan Stenberg is 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 not very good it, mm. it i think you know he's he's been a great run blocker pass blocking he's been one of the worst i think he had a, a 4.0 uh, PF pass blocking grain the week That's before low. he had zero. Week before he had zero.
0: Yeah. The the, the, the passing, the pass blocking has not been great this year. I looked up the ESPN pass block win rate, and Detroit is tied for 28. But the run blocking has been just mauling people. Like they are number two in run DVOA so far and number one running on first down. And Swift and Williams have both had big runs. And so they're just like getting it done on the ground. And not to mention yeah. the whatever to, you know, uh, that Amon Ross St. Brown had 58 yards on a run last week.
1: Yeah, they're, they're not just getting it done on the ground. But like you said, they're getting these big chunk yard plays, which they just haven't been able to do in forever. I mean, since Barry Sanders was here, I think the highest the Lions had ever ranked in rushing yards in a season was 17th. It mm-hmm. seems like the run game is actually back. It's, it's really happening now. Uh, and I think it's all because of DeAndre Swift and and his his relationship with Deuce Staley. He's he's really kind of channeled Swift into uh, uh, being a better player. Because before S- uh, Staley got here, the 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 rap on Swift was that maybe maybe he just didn't fully get it. You know, he was a guy that was he was going to run out of bounds more often than he was going to lower the shoulder and 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 go for those yardage. I I think Staley is really. Uh, transformed the way that Swift thinks about the way he plays the game. And it's, it's showing.
2: I hear all those names like Deuce Staley and Hank Fraley. It sounds like the stealth Andy Reed coaching staff. Like we don't think of the Andy Reed tra- family tree going to Dan Campbell, but all those assistants are old Reed players, if not Reed assistants.
1: Yeah. I, I'm a little worried because it, the, the names of these players, these guys, these former players and turn coaches are, are really getting out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I You know, guys like Aaron Glenn, they're not going to be on this team much longer. And and Calvin Shepard as well, who has just been a really great linebacker coach. If if the Lions don't retain him, he's going to be a D.C. somewhere pretty soon. Uh, Ben Johnson, if this offense keeps going this way, you know, that teams always are going to go and steal that that young offensive mind to be a head coach, maybe even earlier than they should be. But, yeah, this Lions coaching staff might not be together very much longer.
0: Well, speaking of Glenn, the defense has not been wowing people, but it's been enough to win games. Obviously Hutchinson was great before whatever injury has him out of practice right now, the Charlie horse slash thigh injury, you know, whatever a Charlie horse is technically called. We were were talking about that before, but um, I mean, what do you feel about how the defense has looked so far this year? I mean, do you think that guys like Okuda are finally getting it?
1: Yeah, I, I think that Okuda has been has been quite the surprise. I mean, I, you know, I always figured just based on the guy's work ethic that he would he would find a way to be serviceable at at least. But uh, the way he played against Terry McLaurin last weekend was was really really great. Mm-hmm. And the week weekend before that, you know, he uh, he was he was going against um, AJ Brown, which hey, it's hard to, it's hard to guard AJ Brown. It's just it's difficult. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, he, he he held his own there as well. So, so there, I think the only big play that AJ had really was when uh, Okuda went out with some cramps issues, and Will Harris allowed uh, AJ Brown to get a big play there. But but yeah, that's it, interesting
0: it, that they're using Okuda yeah. on the other team's number one guy, which is yeah. I mean what you would have expected when he was drafted what third overall, but not what he's been the first two years at all.
1: Right. It is. It is shocking. It, you know, those first two years, are, they're injury plagued. And obviously he's coming off of a uh, torn Achilles, which is no joke. I mean, that's a really, really bad injury that uh, would have killed somebody's career when I was when I was a kid. Uh, it's now something that guys are just I mean, Cam Akers came back like two weeks after his torn Achilles or something. Uh, you know, so, yeah, it 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 is it is it's not what I expect. I figured he at least be, would be cornerback too behind uh, Amani Oroirier, but he's showing that he's, he's easily going to be the number one guy uh, before you know it. And, and as far as uh, defense as a whole, this is a lot better than, than I expected it to be. I think they're uh, I think they're 17th DVOA right now, which is a lot, a lot higher than anyone could have expected yeah. considering they were like the worst defense in the league last year, but they're still so young. There's still so much things they need to get done, and uh, so many more players that they could add. I don't. I wouldn't expect them to be shutting anybody out this season. It's going to be a lot of shootouts, I would imagine. But
2: what's what's funny is they they they're, sev- they're 17th in DVOA, but it's not like they're an average defense. They're awesome for a quarter, and then they kind of let down for. A they were awesome the first quarter against the Eagles, and they let down for two quarters, and then they came back, and then they were awesome for the first half against the Commanders. I think from what I saw of the game, and then they let up significantly. So it, it's more like a high volatility defense that might be figuring itself out then. Yeah, just I think that a, goes with uh, the
0: youth. I think that goes with the youth. Not that I've ever tested it like our higher volatility defense is more youthful, but it makes logical sense.
1: Yeah, it gets the Eagles, you know, uh, they did have a great first, first quarter and, you know, Aaron Glenn, uh, Lions defensive coordinator said that he thought that the team got a little bit too excited. And yeah. I think that there's, there's something to that. I really, I, you know, I, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not football strategy or analytics and all that stuff. It's just plain old, we, we are, are, we got too big for our britches. And, and I, and I think that the Eagles made them pay, especially Jalen Hurts, man. That guy is, uh, you, you cannot stop him. And, and you saw that against the Vikings again on Monday. He's just, he is something else.
2: You get too big for your britches, you get a Charlie horse. Like, there's a, yep. 1950s analysis, but it seems to work. But you, I mean, watching the Eagles game and in that first quarter and, and in an Eagles bar, like, what's happening? What's happening? It's like, this Lions team came out like they just got an adrenaline shot to their chest and they're yeah. blow, blowing everything up inside. But then it did seem to let up and like that would happen. Like, okay, we're now getting into the game and now we're making mistakes out of over enthusiasm or it's starting to wear off a bit.
1: Yep. Or you just get figured out and you got to, you got to you know, make your adjustments and everything. And it just uh, took the Lions a minute to do that. they almost came back and had a chance to win that game. It's just, you know, Eagles are the better team.
0: Who is a Malcolm Rodriguez?
1: Malcolm Rodriguez. Sixth round
0: pick. Yeah. Like playing as a sixth round rookie.
1: I'm sure there are 31 other teams going, who is Malcolm Rodriguez right now? Because how does this kid go to the sixth round? He's, uh, you know, not to bring up PFF a bunch of times, but he was the number one ranked linebacker in week two, a six round pick. Uh, this kid is, he is unbelievable. He, I think, it, you know, his wrestling background has a lot to do with it. I actually talked with uh, Oklahoma State wrestling coach uh, John Smith this week about some of the how wrestling kind of goes into uh, his football playing. And and, uh, you know, he can get low and and he can get the legs and he, you know, just watch him, watch him tackle. You could see that he's a wrestler. You know, you saw what he did to Jason Kelsey. Uh, It's interesting because normally you think
0: of a wrestling background as being more associated with playing offensive line. Like we had Stephen Neal here in New England for a long time because you think of the whole get low thing. It seems to fit like but linebacker get low for tackling. It fits, too.
1: Yeah. You go, you take out a guy's legs and, and, you know, that's it. I mean, he can't run anymore. And that's exactly, you know, a, couple, a lot of his tackles are like just shooting double leg. Uh, it's, it's, it's been really fun to watch. I just never, never thought this kid would, when he got drafted, honestly, my first response was, Oh, well, he'll make it a great special teams player. And that was most of our responses. And then, you know, hard knocks happen and training camp happen, And it's just, it's like, is this kid really going to be a starter immediately? And here we go. He's
0: he's pulling it off. Yeah. So this is uh, Detroit at Minnesota is actually the most important game in playoff leverage in our playoff odds simulations this week. If uh, Detroit wins, they go to 60%, uh, making the playoffs in 60% of simulations, and Minnesota drops to 37 But if Minnesota wins, they go to 65% and Detroit drops to 32. So it's actually a pretty important game. Uh, Minnesota is currently favored by six, and they are at home. And, I mean, I think everybody before the season certainly we felt – I mean, we had Minnesota on the rise. We had Detroit on the rise too, but we had Minnesota on the rise, and I think felt that they were a little bit better. But the weaknesses that they've shown so far I think kind of fit what Detroit's been doing. For example, Minnesota – is currently 30th in DVOA against passes of 15 or fewer air yards. And Jared Goff is ninth on those same passes. Like the shorter stuff has been the more, is the more. I mean, which is what you expect with Jared Goff is the shorter stuff is the more successful stuff. And Amon Ross St. Brown only has an average depth of target of like six yards. So, uh, but Minnesota hasn't been good defending that stuff.
1: Yeah, it's it's gonna be a really interesting game. And they they split against the the, the Vikings last year. And uh, you know, I, I everybody was kind of high on the Vikings. I I don't I don't really get it myself. Um, Kirk Cousins is still that team's quarterback. And I, I think that they, they lost a lot of uh they lost a lot of key pieces. I mean that you know they're just not that that same defense anymore. And and I'm sure Kevin O'Connell will have that team turned around before you know it. I I have no doubt he's a he's got a great football mind, but uh, I, I, and I, and I hate to do the whole, you know, uh, this team, you know, the lions almost beat this team and then that team destroyed the Vikings. But I mean, there is really something to that. Like there is, you you know, you you saw that uh, uh, Dalvin cook couldn't, couldn't do anything against the Eagles, uh, you know, and, and, and Miles Sanders couldn't do anything against the lions. So there's something there and, Uh, you know, the the, the Vikings were only able to put up seven points against the Eagles. Well, the Lions put up against, uh, put up 35. I mean, there's really, there's something there. Uh, I I think there's something to that. I think the Lions and the Vikings could be the game of the week. I really, I really do. I don't, I can't tell you who wins. I I think the Lions are going to win, but I really think it's going to be the game of the week.
2: Dr. Avatar points out Vikings are a much healthier team. We're just looking at injury reports. Aiden Hutchinson with his Charlie horse, didn't practice. They don't consider it major, but he's out right now. Tracy Walker appears to be out right now. I don't know what the status is, but he didn't practice today. So that is a factor to keep in mind.
1: Yeah, I believe Walker practiced yesterday. This is probably could okay. be like a rest thing.
2: A rest day. Okay. And yeah. Swift is back. I don't yeah. have an update on the offensive line right yeah, now. Yeah, Swift, I, I guess Swift didn't
0: practice yesterday, but it's never been a he's not going to play Sunday kind of thing.
2: Right. No, that, was, that again
1: was like a rest thing, according to Campbell. So... Uh, Swift should definitely play. I would, I would imagine either Ragnar or Jackson. Uh, well, Ragnar rather could be back. Uh, Jackson is um, still going to require some time. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't, I don't see a world where Aiden Hutchinson's not on the field on Sunday either. So,
0: okay.
1: um, Yeah, I, I think the Lions are definitely, you know, in, in terms of health, the Vikings are probably healthier uh, on the injury report. But I think the Lions are going to be, you know, just good enough as healthy, just as healthy almost, okay. almost.
0: Uh, Don't forget, by the way, if you are watching live on uh, YouTube or Twitch, you can ask us questions in the conversation. We're happy to talk about any team, the Detroit Lions or the Vikings, or any of the other teams we're covering or not covering today. Mike Mike has a prop, has an Aiden
2: Hutchinson prop. Okay, if you're comfortable with him being on the field, I, I think you're right. Here's a fun prop. Aiden Hutchinson, two or more sacks and a Lions win. At plus 700, (sighs) I think the Vikings, as their overall pass protection, do a good job preventing the the, the Saxon-Bunches situation. That keeps me sort of backed off of this. They'll make mistakes, but they'll protect Cousins and then make Cousins make the mistake rather than, like, letting him get hammered over and over again. But plus 700, that's tempting, especially, you know, I know Hutchinson last week, a lot of it was sort of chasing Wentz you know, and kind of cleaning up over the rest of the defense. But that ain't bad either, because that means the rest of the defense is getting to the quarterback.
1: Uh yeah, I guess my only concern with that is that Hutchinson seems to be getting double teamed like more than any player in the NFL right now. Uh yeah. they're they're all over that kid. Uh so if he gets the sacks, it might have to be in that cleanup sort of sense. But uh I I I have liked what I've seen from him, but I would I would like him I would like to see him just get back there. Uh, without without having to do some cleanup stuff which again there's really nothing wrong with that it's no. a sack's a sack at the end of the day
2: right and, and it, again it means usually that your entire pass rush did its job a lot of cleanup yeah. sacks in everybody's yes. resume all right so we're a little bit spotty on that one especially with uh waiting and seeing in terms of health here's another one on the other side of the ball justin jefferson and i took this one already over seven and a half receptions at plus 110. Not necessarily ready for Jeff Okuda to shut down Justin Jefferson at this point. If it's a shootout, it's a shootout. And I can't imagine the Vikings going back to Monday night's game plan where, hey, Justin Jefferson just went, gee golly, ham all over everybody. Let's feature Irv Smith Jr. Let's feature (laughs) Irv Smith Jr. In our game plan. I'm assuming they're going to slide back from that. I go after Jefferson. So 7.5, the, the yardage is way up there, like 97 or something, but 7.5 catches for a guy they're going to try and force the ball to. I kind of like that one.
1: Yeah. I would take that bet any day of the week. Yeah, absolutely. They're going to feature him for sure.
0: Me too. Uh, Todd Singer. I'm going to bet Derek Barnes is a Purdue guy. Cause he wants to know how Derek Barnes is doing this year for the Lions. Uh, n- Not great. Not, not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, He's, he has moments, you know, he has some, some moments. He's, he's, he's very much like Jared Davis in the sense that like, uh, he's, he could be a great pass rusher if he can get home. Uh, but, but it's not right now. Alex Anzalone is, is above him. And I don't, I don't see that going anywhere. And Alan Anzalone is actually playing decently well, but Rodriguez is and, and Anzalone are your guys. And, and Barnes is kind of the, the third man.
0: Yeah. And I will point out Bosky093's comment, while the routes that uh, Amon ross St. Brown is running may be short, they are metaphorically deep. It's a part of the West Camus offense, existential passing tree. Yeah. (laughs) That tracks. Well, he made 58 yards on a run for crying out loud, and I didn't watch the game, so I can't tell you if that's an end around or one of those backwards lateral actually a pass things.
1: It was like an end around. Yeah. Yeah
0: yeah he's um,
1: that kid's special
0: so he's you would definitely seven. take detroit plus six in this game
1: yes i, I would
0: I, yeah well, go I, ahead uh yeah right
1: now i you know in our in our uh, score predictions i i have 35 30 lions that's that's what i've gone with
2: yeah uh, well the lions are 13 and 6 against the spread in the dan campbell era okay they are spread they're cover monsters even in losses when the spread – I believe the spread was at seven before Monday Night Football. I expected it to go down to four, four and a half because of the way the Vikings look. But, you know, it's I'm guessing right now that the house is not being super volatile on that end. Give me the Lions in six any day, especially against a team like the Vikings, that even if they do pull out a victory, it's likely to be mush and that you're going to be able to get in there and, and keep it close. But I, I'm thinking leaning towards Lions outright as well. Uh, I definitely I think I would pick Minnesota outright, but I think with the spread,
0: I'm definitely I'm also with Lions plus six. I do think, you know, that these teams are closer together than we may have thought before the season. And um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by a Detroit win completely after watching Minnesota on Monday night. But I also don't want to overreact to one one bad Vikings game and a couple of bad Kirk Cousins throws. Because, again, Kirk Cousins is – look, Kirk Cousins is – and this is one of the reasons why we like Minnesota in the preseason. Statistically, right, first of all, Kirk Cousins is the quarterback in the NFL with the biggest difference between how stats see him and how film people see him. But he's, like, consistently like the 10th best guy in the league by stats. Like, it just is really actually very consistent. Uh, I know that shocks everybody, but he is. Oh, maybe I I'm have sorry. a Kirk Cousins. I, I to sleep know. by talking about.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, we had the Kirk Cousins conversation, and I died a little inside. I don't know what happened. I'm back. I'm back. He is what he is, and in the fourth quarter of a close game that's meaningful, happens, and it's non-stop turnover balls. At 30, what is he? 36 years old, and we're still like the. Well, you know, at the end, he, he can't get it done. He it was like three interceptions and three interceptible balls at the end of that Eagles game. So yeah, I know he bounces back historically. He bounces back and the week afterwards but i'm sorry he is who we think he is
0: yeah
1: i'm I'm with mike on this one (laughs) (laughs) the
2: the money line if you're loving the lions not just to cover the money line is plus 220 oh that's pretty nice yeah
0: that's pretty uh, nice and more than double your money if the lions went out right
1: everybody likes money
2: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> analysis, you cannot get anywhere else, ladies and gentlemen. That's
1: right. Top drawer. Top drawer analysis.
0: All right. Thank you. Mike Payton is from Pride of Detroit, the SP Nation Detroit Lions site. So check him out there. And what's your Twitter handle? Uh, P O
1: D underscore Payton.
0: P O D underscore Payton. P A Y T O N. Not like Payton Manning.
1: Yep. Walter. Like Walter. Okay. Actually, well, when I was a kid, I had everybody convinced that Walter was my uncle, despite. Clear Shet, evidence. Beard. yeah.
2: <laughs> Remarkable. Excellent work.
0: All right, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. All right. Let's talk about some more of this week's big games. The next one we want to talk about is the other really big one o'clock game. Maybe a bigger game, honestly, given that it features the Super Bowl favorites. Mm -hmm. And that is Buffalo at Miami, which not only features the Super Bowl favorites, but features the
2: Mike Tanier 12-zillion-star lock of the week. Part of one half of the 12-zillion-star lock of the week. And that is this week's lock of the week. By the way, I'm up plus 100. If anyone's keeping score, and I am keeping score, we're going to keep track of it, because I knew what was going to happen at the end of the Cardinals-Raiders game, folks. I knew that was going to happen. Okay. I had it all planned. It was perfect prognostication that that's how that game was going to go. So, this week's lock of the week involves the Buffalo Bills, and I have the minus five and a half right now. Right. And the Los Angeles Rams, minus three and a half, two game parlay, plus 264. Okay. So, what I were looking at here is a couple of top teams against some overvalued teams. I believe the Dolphins are overvalued right now. You can probably guess why. And I believe the Cardinals are overvalued right now because you can guess why. I took that money and ran last Sunday because that is an awful team. And I think we're going to touch on them later. But uh, we, right now,
0: We're not doing the Cardinals today, but we are doing the Bills and Dolphins. And I will say the Bills, that line is at six now. It was five and a half when you took the parlay. It's actually now at Bills minus six. Mm-hmm. because I guess the betters are also a little hesitant. The Dolphins team that I saw in week one against the Patriots
2: was not the Dolphins team that we saw in the fourth quarter against the Ravens. No, that was the 2007 Patriots that showed up in the fourth quarter against the, the Ravens. They were not there in the first three quarters either. Yeah. Um, and I was going through things, and I believe the Dolphins in first quarter DVOA are second to last. So the first quarter DVOA in offense, on offense, I believe they're second and last right now. They had interceptions and mistakes against the uh against the Ravens. Haven't had a lot of drives. They haven't been on the field a lot, which is part of the problem because they're letting the other team move the ball early in games. Pretty sure they made they had a fumble or some other mistake against the Patriots. So they're a slow starting team right now. And again, they looked solid overall by the end of the game against the Patriots, but I don't know how predictive what we saw in the fourth quarter last week
0: is going to be. I I don't feel like it is. I mean, I think you have to combine it with everything else. I will remind you the quarter breakdowns and the down and play breakdowns that we're going to be quoting are all available at FO plus in the DVOA database. Become an FO plus subscriber. Footballoutsiders.com slash subscribe. You know, Miami. They did all that with deep passing, but remember the Buffalo defense was like historically good against deep passes last year. And assuming that Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde play, and they are a little injured, and so I don't yeah. think they're practicing right now. Yeah. But assuming that they play, I would think Buffalo is still, they have the the secondary and in particular the safeties to stop that deep passing.
2: Again, if Hyde and Poyer play. They have the pass rush to do it, too. They're going, to, they're going to be able to go, as they were in the Thursday night opener, with yes. you know, six, seven people deep in the rotation there. That's still not a very good Miami Dolphins offensive line. So mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, well, Tyreek Hill is going to get his and threaten your safeties. He might. Two has got to survive to get the ball there. I don't know how well, often that's going to happen. Buffalo is fourth right now
0: in ESPN's pass rush win rate. Mm. And Miami's pass blocking is currently 23rd through two yeah. games. Oh,
2: yeah, that's that says it.
0: And the the bills are deep, they just keep coming at guys Epinesa and yeah. uh, Rousseau and Basham. I well, mean, he, you know, it's not just Von Miller and then Von Miller comes off the field, it's like they've got all these other dudes, so right.
2: And they've got good guys up the interior as well. And uh, we posted a stat on Twitter, not surprisingly, the number one team in Yak through two games right now is the Miami Dolphins because. What they're doing, despite those two deep balls, and those deep balls had a little yak at the end of them. Uh, frankly, it's still very built around get the ball to Tyree, get the ball to Waddle, and have them create. And you know that's that's fine. You're against one of the most, uh, of the most fundamentally sound defenses. One of the defenses going to get tackles and keep plays in front of them, and that's the, and that's the Buffalo Bills.
0: Yeah, I feel like if Poyer and Hyde don't play, well, that's different. Yeah. Yeah, now I'm like, okay, that's not the Bills as Super Bowl favorites. Um, You know, Bosky093 says Buffalo has to get home against the Finns offensive line because not having both safeties will make it tough. If those guys play, I feel pretty confident in Buffalo minus six, like Buffalo is the favorite. If those guys don't play, then yeah, Miami seems to be built to attack backup safeties. Right, and that and that and the fact that the my, that the um, the bills are playing a rookie corner, two rookie corners who they're rotating. Yeah. Um, but I still also, I mean, I don't feel like the Miami defense is going to stop the Buffalo offense because I feel like nobody is going to stop the Buffalo offense right now.
2: And Xavier Howard is also banged up. So we've got oh, an injury report on the other side there. Just their number one cornerback, just the guy who's most likely to try and do anything against Stefan Diggs. Gabriel so, Davis should be back. Gabriel and, Davis should be back. So throw to
0: wherever Xavier Howard isn't. Yes. and, and If Xavier Howard is on the field on Diggs, Gabriel Davis could go off.
2: Right, right. So, so you know, there's questions on both injury reports. If you watch them out, you're back to square one, which is the Bills are well ahead in this matchup. Um, I will say – that so it's Buffalo minus six,
0: and we both agree, don't bet anything on this game until you know what's going on with those safeties. Yes. The same is probably true for the over-under, yeah. but I will say that assuming the safeties play, um, my new beta testing over-under formula really likes under 52.5. I like that in it's, this game because hot. I think my Miami's offense, if you you know, if you think about Dave the Dave ratings are 85% preseason projection. Okay, Like this early in the season, people jumped to big conclusions based on one quarter when you should really consider what we thought about these teams two weeks ago as still being the majority of what we should think about these teams. And based on that Miami's offense is not the best in the league. Like, no, no that's not no. what we thought two weeks ago in one quarter. It's not what we thought after the new England game where they won 20 to seven. And with a defensive see.
2: score with a, right, 20 to seven
0: with a defensive score. We shouldn't think that after just one amazing quarter against a Ravens depleted secondary. So I like going under on the 52.5 here. Although again, the way the bills are scoring points, maybe you should never go under in a Bills
2: game. <laughs> well, that's way up there at 52. So that, that covers your 37 to seven type of situation. <laughs> if it comes to that, I don't think it's going to be that disparate, but possibility. I don't like playing that under because I would rather root for the fun. But if you're, if you're looking, if you've got to play the over-under, I would say go under there. I'd rather be like, more scoring, more goofiness. Let's go and not have that like on my conscience. Yeah.
0: All right, another 1 o'clock game. Baltimore at New England in the uh, do my best, Sal Palantonio. This is the most important game of the week because I'll be there. <laughs> uh, Ravens favored by 2.5 on the road in Foxborough. Somehow the Ravens have started the season as the number one team in passing and the number 32 team in running. Yeah. I, I will say fumbles play a role in that. Mm-hmm. And J.K. Dobbins is supposed to be back this week to start at running back. There's no – that is a stat that in no way can possibly continue. There is no way that the Ravens will finish this year below average running ball.
2: And one of the things is, if you look at stuffed rate, which you can find in Football Outsiders, Ravens' number one in stuffed rate right now. They get stuffed for no gain or a loss 33% of the time. Went back and looked at this. Now, there are a couple of Lamar Jackson runs in this, and including stuffs on fourth down. I believe Kenyon Drake has been stuffed something like six or seven times in 18 carries. Michael Davis has been stuffed three times in seven carries. And Justice Hill is in there as well with one or two stuffs. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. But... Part of that was the the footing in week one. If you watch that Jets game, that was a very slick. It wasn't the Bears game, but it was a very slick surface. There was some slip and fall stuff. Those running backs, it's a good example of just replacement level running backs, like week in and week out. Davis is replacement level. I know there was a lot of talk about him last year. Kenyon Drake was released by the Raiders. That's replacement level. Like we we'd rather have Amir Abdullah in the fifth round pick from Georgia. So uh if we can, re- if the Ravens replace them with Dobbins, then you do have a situation where instantly you turn some of those stuffs into at least minimal games, productive games. You convert some third and shorts, and then you're a different rushing attack and offense. Yeah.
0: The Patriots are 11th so far against the pass, 17th against the run. The defense has been a little bit better than I expected so far. Yeah. And the offense has been. You know, I think exactly what we expected, which is not as good as last year and predicated on short passes and lots of runs. And, um, you know, good enough to beat Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's offense sucks. But
2: um, I mean, get a get a muffed punt to get to a 10 yard touchdown drive. That helps in that game. That helps a lot. Yeah. So <laughs> right. right. Like I
0: I, mean, I feel pretty good about the Ravens in this game. Like I feel like the Ravens are the better team.
2: Right. They look like the better team. uh, Again, by nine minutes left to play in the fourth quarter, they look like they were cruising to a victory. They'd be 2-0. People will be talking about how good Lamar Jackson has been as a pocket passer while still getting big plays along the way. So take that. And obviously you can't take what is like 12 percent of the season at this point away, which was one fourth quarter. Uh, But if you were to take that away, they would look like a much better team. And one of the things you pointed out, I think the Patriots have a good defense and I think it's a solid defense. Played a couple of Swiss cheese offensive lines. Miami, so, right? and then Yeah, Miami, we and just a Steelers ridiculous, go. ridiculous offensive line for the Steelers. This is going to be trickier. I don't think the Ravens have an elite line right now, but it's always put together well enough to, to do what it needs to do. So I think it's going to be trickier on that side for the Patriots.
0: Patriots currently 26th in ESPN's pass rush win rate. Really? So, yeah, not that's not great. So they, <laughs> they're going to need to – they're not winning – they are one-on-one battles, which means they're going to need to blitz. And I feel like last week the Ravens showed they've got some plays now for Lamar Jackson to beat the cover zero blitz. It's not like last year where the dolphins like made him look like a fool
2: when they did that all the time. Like he was beating them with that this week. He was beating them this week. Uh, Bateman looks better as a deep receiver as well. DeMarcus Robinson has provided something. I thought that that was just a nothing pickup, but it's like a big professional guy who is a, is a bigger target downfield, which I think that, that, Lamar's lack so yes they can do more against the we're just going to jailbreak blitz than last year so the fo plus uh the fo plus
0: picks uh have this game really close to the line
2: yeah yeah they don't but I feel it. more confident about the Ravens than I think the picks do I would lean Ravens I'm I'm not actually playing this game at no. all. Can, I, I haven't seen enough right there and looking at our picks I was like yeah I'll just walk away from it if I felt like I was doing a parlay I would
0: pick the Ravens. It did start as Ravens minus three and has moved towards the Patriots. It went from from Ravens three to Ravens minus two and a half.
2: I'm trying to look if I even put uh, anything in my list here for. No, I don't even have a, a prop picked out for this one. So, yeah.
0: All right. The last one o'clock game we want to talk a little bit about is Philadelphia at Washington. Eagles uh, favored by six and a half points on the road against the commanders. Um, I will, the stat that I'll pick out from this, the Eagles are second against wide receiver one through two weeks. And again, don't forget, you can get the defense versus types of receivers numbers in the FO Plus database by becoming an FO Plus subscriber. Darius Slay has been phenomenal through the first two weeks of the season. And I went and looked and yes, last year they did basically use Slay against Terry McLaurin. And McLaurin had a 46-yarder on Slay, but otherwise it was very strong coverage. To get McLaurin the ball, they had to drag him and slant him and do all this short stuff with him. So I think Slay helped shut down McLaurin. And McLaurin has not been used as much as expected this year. Like, we're still waiting for the big McLaurin game that everybody expected. You know, in the preseason, I wrote that I thought McLaurin was overrated for fantasy because as good as he is, this is the offense he's in. And I think that that's been borne out by the reality.
2: Right, and he has like a deep touchdown. So he has like these scattered plays. One of the things the commanders has been have been doing, a little bit of a Tua thing with my best friend Carson Wentz, especially against the Jaguars, really spreading things out, looking for short yak opportunities, getting Samuel involved. In Lots those. of Samuel, yeah. yeah Samuel, And Dotson also has a, a deep touchdown, but they've been trying to get Dotson, who is a good guy for yak, Underneath they've been using the running backs more than I'm used to seeing Carson Wentz his running backs. They've been getting Gibson involved as well along the way. So there's a lot of spreading things out and trying to get those underneath quick reads, quick throws. And they've had some success with that. Again, uh, it was, a, it, they were strong offensively for the first quarter and fourth quarter against the um, Jaguars. And then, the entire second half against the Lions,
0: and I feel like if the Lions were pushing around that Washington front on run plays, what is this Eagles offensive line doing? This is like possibly the best offensive line in the league.
2: It's a- a- exceptional when they're not getting called for an eligible man downfield every time they run an RPO because the, the referees have this like complete <laughs> focus, and, and like the dude is taking that one step that's two yards behind the turn and block, and they call it whatever, whatever. It's 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 legal. It's thing. Another thing that you're seeing, uh, both the uh Jaguars and the Lions were attacking uh Jamin Davis at linebacker consistently, getting your Christian Kirks, getting your Amans, getting other guys out there, getting your Hawkinsons out there and goofing off with like, you know, kind of option routes and things like that. Like, oh, we got a linebacker. We know they were kind of, they're trying to like, get like value out of a former first round pick. They're not comfortable with, they're keeping him out there. They're gonna put Goddard there. They're gonna put Smitty there. Uh, AJ Brown. Oh, they're gonna try and get AJ Brown in the slot and see who follows him in there, et cetera. There's gonna be a lot of opportunities in the tackle box and beyond for the Eagles to attack the the, the Commanders. Yeah.
0: So I would. This game is Eagles minus six and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say Eagles. I, I, you know, I'm super high on them this year, and I, I, I would like them to cover the spread.
2: Right. This is one of those games where I think it's either going to be an Eagles blowout or Wentz has actually has this moment where he like transcends time and space and shocks the Eagles and blows them out. It's like 90% one thing, but 10% the other thing. I'd lean on the Eagles side of that though.
0: Yeah. Um, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. Let's move to four o'clock. And this is the biggest, this is the national four o'clock game that'll be seen in most markets. Um This game is heavily affected by injuries. It's the most important game for Super Bowl odds in our simulation. So Tampa Bay makes the Super Bowl 27% in simulations where they win, 19% if they lose. Green Bay, 15% if they win, 8% if they lose. But, oh, my God, like I have no idea who's playing receiver for Tampa Bay and who's not, except that I know that Mike Evans is not.
2: Mike Evans is not. He is suspended. Chris Godwin did not practice today. Julio Jones did not practice today. Cole Beasley has gotten Tom Brady to respond to his DMs, and he is there, but I don't know what kind of role he's going to play. And there's injuries elsewhere, like Akeem pa- Hicks.
0: Right? Akeem Hicks. The Packers have injuries also. The Packers have injuries among their wide receivers. Guys aren't practicing. Oh, God. So the line is Tampa Bay minus one, and it started out as Tampa Bay minus three, I think, and it's moved a lot because of these injuries. Yeah. Um, The Packers, I will say, like that great Packers defense that everyone thought we were going to see, still not seeing it. No. Mm -hmm. Currently 31st in ESPN's pass rush win rate. They are 31st against the run DVOA on first down. They are thirtieth against the run, TVOA on second down, so uh, maybe a big Leonard Fournette
2: game. It could be a big Leonard Fournette game. I want—I I pulled something up from Sports Info Solutions, which I hope I still have. Um, I want to go over a little bit about the deep passing in this game. Fifteen plus uh, air yards, so deep passes. Tom Brady seventeen attempt, attempts, just six completions. That's the impact of having Brashard Perryman as your wide receiver one for one of it. So 17 and six, that's bad. Our guy, Aaron Rodgers, three of eight on 15. He's thrown eight passes of 15 plus yards downfield. Okay. That's, that's, that's less than Cooper rush folks. He's thrown less passes downfield than Justin Fields than Cooper rush and Baker Mayfield uh, as they try to work around the fact that they don't have a lot of receivers and they're trying to dink and dunk on the sidelines. So this is a really like through the looking glass for a Rogers, uh, uh, Brady game here, and we, we have to look to the running games and the defenses a little bit. Tampa
0: Bay, currently the number one DVOA defense against the pass. Useful title says, with all these wide receivers out for the Bucs, how much is Brady missing Gronk right
2: now? I know, who he's, I know who he's missing more, but he's also missing Gronk. Who do you think
0: he's missing more? Edelman?
2: Giselle. Well... <laughs> or maybe not
0: maybe that's like oh.
2: i don't think that has anything to do with the number <laughs> of wide receivers who are out for the it's a i think the brazilian mafia got to them but that's my own that's my pet theory so um but yeah you have uh you have a prop for this game to talk about this is the worst prop in history and it goes back to what we were saying a moment ago this is schmuck bait dumb nephew prop But i'm going to throw it out there for everyone to enjoy here uh aaron Rodgers and tom brady combined Six hundred plus passing yards and six t- plus passing touchdowns. So six hundred and six. Brady and Rodgers combined at plus four hundred.
0: Yeah, I mean, given the state of the receiving cores, I'm I'm hesitant.
2: <laughs> it's I'm not even, like it's plus four hundred. It's not even like well, you know, plus eight hundred, plus nine hundred. Like, okay, I'm. I'll, I'll, I'll th- There's not even enough meat on the bone for it. This is that's that's a, that's a super casual better. Uh, special that I I pulled up but
0: I will say the over under formula likes over 41 and a half
2: it is so low cuz it's so low cuz it's,
0: so it's very low
2: yeah. I mean the Tampa Bay
0: the Tampa Bay defense is pretty good but that's very low what's your pick as far as
2: Tampa Bay minus 1 I mean it's basically zero at this point I'm I'm taking the Packers and and, and to be clear I took the Packers already as soon as the suspension came in from Mike Evans I didn't wait for John Runyon to come in and, and rule on it because, goodness gracious, he was going to get suspended. Oh, but, yeah, he was
0: going to get suspended.
2: So I have this, I believe, at, at uh, Packers plus two and a half or plus three, but I was still taking it. I'm taking it Packers straight up. And I'm almost tempted to look at some kind of Packers and over situation as well. I'm leaning Tampa
0: just because okay. I'm a bigger believer in the Tampa defense. But I agree, this is a really close matchup. It could definitely go either way. And with the number of injuries in this game, I would not want to bet on this game.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we all say this, and in the injury report is going to be one thing or the other. You could get Tampa and the over, by the way, at plus 250, minus yeah, one. I might go with that. I might yeah. go with that. But I, if- I just feel like the, the Packers know they have a problem. I don't think the Buccaneers know they have a problem in terms of they can't keep firing it down the field and just waiting for the defense to pitch near shutouts. I think the Packers realize they have to manufacture victories, and they're kind of equipped to do it.
0: All right, one more game to talk about, and that is the night game, San Francisco at Denver. Uh, San Francisco is favored by two mm. on the road right now. Um, here's an interesting stat. Russell Wilson currently leads the league in DYAR on deep passes. Wow. He has thrown a league-leading 20 of them if we include DPIs.
2: Right. And he's 11 got 11 of
0: those, 11 of the 20, are to Cortland Sutton. <laughs> and by the way, the 49ers, DVOA, is number one against short passes. Okay. And 24th against deep passes. And okay, that's only two games. Let's look at last year. Last year, third against short passes, 31st against deep passes. So, like wow. – yeah, this defense is built for Russell to to
2: cook against them. Now, one reason that it's all going to uh, Sutton is Judy's hurt. I was just trying to get it up the minute.
0: Injury. Yeah, what's
2: the deal on Judy's health,
0: right, obviously?
2: I, I, I haven't found anything recently, but it looks like he's going to miss this game. It seemed like it was a bad situation. If you're without Judy... And you're without uh, Patrick, which of course you are.
0: No, you're now it's sl- like you're feeding Sutton because otherwise Tyria Cleveland
2: is your – <laughs> Tyria of Cleveland. Kendall Hilton, the, mm-hmm. the Surgeon General, he's still back out there. And you have K.J. Hamler running around, but that's that's an underneath target. You don't have the, the tight end talent you had in the past, so you are going to be feeding them. But that said – and you mentioned DPIs. There were several DPIs. Launching it to Cortland Sutton and hoping for DPI. I believe there's three of them. Uh, Cortland Sutton has three DPIs this year, yeah. It's a perfectly good strategy. <laughs> I'd yeah. go with
0: that. Um, Denver is also second in adjusted line yards on offense. Nice. Uh, San Francisco's defense, however, is fourth in adjusted line yards on defense. So that is an interesting strength against strength matchup when Denver wants to run the ball.
2: Right. Now, remember, San Francisco does have the downpour game in that's half right. of their data right that's now. That's true. that's, that's, that's part of it, right? And and the other half is the Seahawks. So we there's a little bit of a, a thing there. I think what we all know about the Broncos through two games is the goal to go situation has been an absolute train wreck. Yeah. And we were chatting earlier uh, a couple days ago. They were dead last in goal to go DVOA. The Vikings submarine under them, Um, but it's kind of like a but the Vikings. You know, okay, they get to the nine yard line, they kick a field goal. The Broncos, it's Fumble, fumble, three plays from the one-yard line, they're incomplete passes, and then a field goal attempt, things like that. I feel as though that has to be straightened out. You just mentioned the line yards. Yeah. You have Russell Wilson. You do have other targets besides Sutton if you're going on short plays. If the Broncos turn that around to just normal red zone efficiency, they're going to look like a very different team. I, I also feel like
0: at some point, Hackett has to stop making these blatant mistakes bosky 93 says Hackett was in position to have egos for breakfast, but he blew the clock management, wasted a timeout, decided to go with Pop Tarts, then got delay of game penalty and was forced to settle for cereal. I like cereal. I mean, yeah. At some <laughs> point, good. Hackett's not going to Hackett's got to get his act. He can't yeah. be this bad all season. Like it's not. No. He apparently has a game management guy up in the coach's box helping him. It
2: can't be this bad all season. <laughs> Are we that's not Joe Judge either, because Joe Judge is over in New England, so we don't know who the maybe it's Gase. Maybe he has Gase up there helping him. No, it's
0: not him. a guy I've ever heard of. Okay. Uh in the analytics or coaching community. he was okay. named in an article on The Ringer, and I, I don't remember what the name of the guy is.
2: Right. But like fourth and one, the, these 20-yard, there was like a 20-yarder and a 22-yard field goal. Like you said. The line yards are high. You've got both Williams and Gordon. If you're like, well, Gordon's our short yard guy, fine. You've got Risner on the line. You've got Bowles on the line. Just power these plays in. And again, if you had done that, you probably would have had a more lopsided score last week, and you probably could have come up with a week, win in week one.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's Denver plus two, San Francisco
2: minus two. Who's your pick, San Francisco or Denver? I'm taking Denver. Now, normally, backup quarterback – First week as a starter, I jump on that. Cooper Rush last week got a little victory out of that one. I don't think that applies with Jimmy Garoppolo because what you're usually looking for is an efficiency caused by the public overreacting. It's some clown I've never heard of, and they go that way, and the house accommodates them because they want to middle out the money, et cetera. Everyone, oh, it's Garoppolo. Some people might be overvaluing Garoppolo. There are people out there saying they're probably better off with Garoppolo than Lance. I do think they're
0: better off with Garoppolo. I I mean, in the short term, right? Right. I mean, in the long term— in the long term, the upside of Lance was such that you had to you had to give that a go. Yes. But in the short term, like how many games will San Francisco win this year? I think the
2: average possibility is higher now. And definitely the small sample size Lance we saw week one in the rain, last season in his cameos, Garoppolo's Better than that guy, the theoretical Lance that we all expected to start seeing. That's a different story, but yeah, for right now, like okay, we know what this is. That was a mystery box. I'm going with the Broncos,
0: yeah. I'm going with the Broncos plus two. I'm also going to uh point out the over under on this is 44.5. Okay, the projected over under for my new system is 44.5. Wow,
2: it's almost as if the house uses a lot of analytics. To pick over <laughs> on those. And it was always special sauce and we sort of catch up to them over the decades and wind up reaching similar conclusions.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I will say like, also, I think we passed them. I think we passed Vegas in like 2005 or six uh, exactly. and then Vegas passed us right back. Like there was a point <laughs> early on in football yeah. outsiders
2: mm-hmm. where I was
0: getting like 55% and 56% against the spread. Right. And that lasted for like two years. Right. And then Vegas, wised up to any of that so they they,
2: they have resources that yeah yeah yeah, right so you know but yeah that that's an indication i'm just steering away from that over under there's not there's no meat on that bone
0: people will notice if you are listening to this show if you're watching it live or you're listening to this show on thursday afternoon we didn't even bother covering the cleveland pittsburgh game
2: which explains how we feel about it it's going to be a slog tonight it's going to be an absolute slog it's hard to watch everyone's seen I think the Steelers offense at this point and that's tough to watch and I I went back and watched Browns Jets and the Browns have a more paint by number offense than the Jets right now in terms of you know run run play action short run run play action short and it's okay ish but this is going to be I I don't even want to I'll be there on the discord tonight
0: Yes. Join us on the Football Outsiders Discord to talk about how much we're not enjoying this game compared to last week's Thursday night game. Right.
2: Right. I'll be there by the middle of the first quarter with a beer in my hand once marching band stuff is done and, you know, complaining.
0: And uh, the Discord link is below this video on YouTube. So make sure you join the Football Outsiders Discord and come talk to us live during games. Uh, thank you all for watching and for listening afterwards on the podcast network. Don't forget to please like the show, subscribe to the show and tell your friends about the show so we can build the awesome football outsiders, uh live stream audience tomorrow. Uh, Cale Clinton and Derek Klassen at 1 PM Eastern with film show, with film clips this week, not featuring any music. What happened last week with music? Uh, Derek, I think when he was recording one of the film clips, had music going on his computer, and it recorded the music over the film
2: clip. Oh, I missed that one. We're not, we're not doing that anymore. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> a little copyright infringement between friends. What's the problem? I don't see a problem. So tomorrow, 1 o'clock Eastern, join
0: Derek and Kale for the film show. Uh, Mike will be back Monday at 1. I will be back Tuesday at 1. Enjoy Thursday night football as much as you can, people. (laughs) And enjoy week three, and we'll see you next week.